All right, friends, I want to invite all you guys to come with us that weekend. We'd love to have you come and be a part of that. You might have been able to tell from some of the pictures that you saw that last time we did a men's retreat, it was bitter cold that weekend. There's a couple of guys I see who were there who went out and braved the tubing hill, and good for them. I stayed inside by the fire. Thomas has promised us the weather will be warmer this time. And so I want to invite you to come and spend time with us, uh, playing with us at the camp and uh, learning about the peace of God. We're excited about that. And if you're a woman and you're like, hey, where's the retreat for me? That's coming up on April 1st. You'll hear about that a little bit later. And okay, the focus is not on you right now. Guys, go and sign up. We're excited for the guys. Ladies will be excited for you a little bit later. That's wonderful. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series today called When God Says Jump, about the life of Abraham from Genesis 12 to Genesis 24. Before we look at that and jump into Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, I'd like to lead us in a little bit of prayer time this morning. Just a little bit of silent prayer time. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, where Paul prays there. And I'll just lead you through it. And would you just pray silently as I uh, instruct? Paul starts that prayer, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Would you spend a moment just giving thanks for your fellow believers and particularly those who have encouraged you and been important in your, your walk and development? Paul continues on praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Would you pray for yourself and for our church body that we would know him more, that that spirit of revelation that shows us more of who God is and helps us to know him deeper would characterize your life and our congregation. Paul continues to pray, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Would you pray right now for the eyes of faith to be opened so that you so clearly see uh, our eternal future, so that all of the events of your life are seen through that lens of the hope that we have of the inheritance of God? And Paul continues to pray that they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Would you pray for faith in God that the power that raised Jesus from the dead would be at work in your life and through you in the things that he has called you to? Lord, this, this section of scripture sums up the cry of our heart so succinctly uh, we are so thankful for the believers who have encouraged us and strengthened us and shared the gospel with us. Lord, we want to pray that we know you more. We want to know more about you. We want to have a greater intimacy with you. We, we want to see everything in life through the lens of our eternal hope in you. And Lord, we want the power that raised Jesus from the dead to be at work in our lives and through us to make an impact in the world around us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You can turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. That's where we're going to be this morning as we start this series that is about Abraham. 
who in his younger years was called Abram. Abram was growing up in Mesopotamia 4,000 years ago. And what was life like for Abram as he grew up in Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, 4,000 years ago? Well, life was being revolutionized by this brand-new invention called the wheel. The wheel had been around for a few hundred years in Mesopotamia at this point. But in the day of Abraham, it was becoming commonplace for every household to utilize the wheel. For the first time, carts were being used in order to help people become more mobile and more productive in their work. There was also a tremendous movement in Abram's day from living in tents to living in houses made of sun-baked bricks. Person after person was abandoning what had been the ancestral tradition of living in tent communities and were starting to move into towns or villages made up of these stones and bricks. Now, most people in Abram's day, even as they moved into houses, still worked as farmers and ranchers. And so while some wealth could be found in gold and silver, people's wealth was primarily found in what? In in their herds, in their cattle, in the number of servants they had in order to work those things. And Abram was a wealthy man. He had inherited a lot, and then he had expanded what he had inherited, and he had large numbers in his flocks and in his herds. As a matter of fact, Abram had so many people working for him that it would be appropriate to call his household Abram Incorporated. He had hundreds of servants that were working for him. The decisions that he made impacted large numbers of families. There was a lot of pressure on him. As Abram went, so went dozens and dozens of people. And if Abram needed help making those decisions, there were dozens and dozens of gods in Mesopotamia that he could turn to. The gods of Mesopotamia were related to the different parts of the creation. So there were gods of the river and of the land and of the stars and of the sun. But perhaps the most prominent god who was worshipped in Abram's day in Mesopotamia was the goddess named Sin. She was the goddess of the moon. And and there was larger amounts of Sin worship, the goddess of the moon, than there was perhaps of any other god in that day. And if we read Joshua chapter 24 very carefully, what we find out is that Abram's father, Terah, actually raised Abram to worship all of these false gods. Abram grew up worshiping the false god sin. And then Abram's entire life changed one day. In the passage that we're about to read, the true living God spoke directly to Abram, and it changed everything. Let's look at that passage. Beginning in verses 1 through 3, we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God spoke to Abram and he said, Abram, I would like you to leave everything that you've ever known. I'd like you to leave this land that you know so well, that you're comfortable in. I'd like you to leave this prosperous area 
where you're doing very well for yourself, where you have expanding herds and growing numbers of servants, I'd like you to leave your family and your friends, and I'd like you to go to a land that I'm not going to tell you about, but I'll show you when you get there. What is Abram's response to that? Look at the remaining verses of our passage this morning. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the, uh, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moriah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And you can see the journey that Abram has made here at this point. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This account that we just read is about events that took place 4,000 years ago. But I firmly believe that God's Holy Spirit wants to use the message in this account in order to speak to our lives today. I cannot help but read this account about the call of Abraham without recognizing the parallels there are to God's call in our lives as followers of Jesus. And I want us to take a few minutes this morning and just look at four ways that God's call is upon us as followers of Jesus that we see mirrored in this call of Abraham. All right? Let's start with the first one. Gospel lesson number one, God has called you to a totally new life. God has called you to a totally new life. That was certainly true with Abram. Abram had grown comfortable he knew what every day was going to look like. He knew who he was going to come in contact with. He knew the people who worked for him. He was comfortable in his surroundings. As a matter of fact, he was growing very prosperous in those surroundings. And one day God calls to him and he says, leave it all. Leave the land, leave the people, leave your family, and follow me to this place that I'll show you. It's a Totally new life for Abram that God is calling him to. A completely and totally new life. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was uh, at a family funeral in Oregon. And as I was sitting in my cousin's backyard, I saw a caterpillar crawling along the ground. Crawling is probably too fast for what the caterpillar was doing. Inching along the ground. I don't know, it was maybe going to go a couple of feet in an hour. It was going so slow. And I thought about what life is like for that caterpillar, crawling so slowly through the dirt. And I couldn't help but think what life might look like one day for that caterpillar. That everything would be new and everything would be different. That one day that caterpillar may very well be a creature that people stop and look at and admire for its beauty. That instead of crawling through the dirt... It will flutter and float above all of that. Now, now, if the caterpillar was capable of thinking the way that I am, it might think, if only I could inch through this dirt a little faster. Just a little bit of improvement, just a little different. 
But that is not God's design for the caterpillar. Right? God's design for the caterpillar is a whole new life. And Jesus' design for you and Jesus' design for me is an entirely radically different and new life. He doesn't call us just to add a little bit of church in or a, a tiny devotional time in the morning. His call is that we give up life according to ourselves and instead make him the center of everything we do. That every part of our daily life is about him and what his word calls us to. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus calls us to an entirely new life in which no longer are we living for ourselves and our own desires and our own dreams, but instead all of life is now centered around him and the dreams and desires that he has for us. No longer am I living life as Matt would want to live life. I'm now living life as Jesus would want Matt's life lived. It's a totally new life that he calls us to. Anytime in the Gospels, somebody approaches Jesus and wants to add a little bit of Jesus to their life, Jesus pushes back hard against them and says, No, it all has to belong to me. Every bit of your existence needs to belong to me. And I saw how this plays out versus all of the other things of our, our life when I was thumbing through the Gospel of Matthew this week, where, where Jesus says, when it comes to me or your family, I have to be the clear priority here. When it comes to me or your possessions, I have to be the clear priority here. When it comes to me or your understanding of life security, I have to be your priority here. When it comes to me or your reputation, I've got to be the priority here. When it comes to me or your life plans, I've got to be the priority here. Do you get the idea? Right? Jesus says, you guys, your life, that, that needs to come to an end. I'm calling you to a totally new life. A totally new life where I'm at the center and daily life is about living for Jesus. And we can't read the account of Abram's call without thinking about the call that Jesus has placed upon us totally new and radically different life that he has called us into. Have you responded to God's call for that new life, that totally different life? That's gospel lesson number one. God has called us to a totally new life. The second gospel lesson that we see here in this account about Abraham is God calls us to leap in faith. If we're going to follow him, he's going to call us to be people who are regularly leaping in faith. Can you imagine the kinds of conversations that Abram had after this dialogue with God? Where he had to come back to his tent or his house and tell Sarai, Hey, we got to pack it all up. We're moving. And Sarai said, Oh, really? Where are we going? And he said, I don't know. God will show us. And what was her response? Which God? To which he said, oh, you know, the God that's above all. And she said, where's he taking us? And Abram said, I don't know. We'll find out. And she said, you're not making any sense. Can you imagine the conversations Abram had with his neighbors? Oh, you're packing up. Where are you headed? I don't know. 
Why are you leaving? God told us to. Which God? Oh, you know, the God that rules the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe. I'm sorry, he's taking you where? I don't know. Okay, Abram. Good luck with that. Can you imagine what those conversations must have been like? It must have seemed crazy to everyone around, right? Why would you leave everything you've known, a life where you're prospering, in order to move off to a place that you have not yet been shown? Because you trust the one who called you there. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says was going on in Abram. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. If you're going to follow God in faith, there are going to be plenty of times where you don't know exactly where he's going to land you, but you're going to trust him and follow him where he's called you. There are going to be many times where you're going to follow the call of God in order to be obedient and do something, and you're going to know, you're going to go, I I don't know where the resources are going to come for this. God loves to withhold the resources until you need them so that you will place more and more faith in Him. And in this situation, Abram's like, I don't know where we're headed. I don't know how we're going to get there. God says, Okay, great. You're going to trust me. And that's exactly what He did. And that's what he calls us to do. As believers, we are people who are regularly leaping in faith in order to follow after our God. What is the leap of faith that God is calling you to right now? Prayerfully think about that for a minute. What leap of faith is God calling you to this morning? Maybe that leap of faith has to do with a sin. Maybe you've committed the sin again and again. Maybe the sin was committed against you and you've experienced so much shame that you haven't wanted to talk to anybody about it. But you recognize that that there's no healing if you're hiding. And while it is going to take a tremendous amount of courage this morning, God's call in your life is to step out in faith and to talk to a trusted fellow believer in order to confess that sin or talk about that hurt so that there can be prayer and support and healing that takes place. Maybe the step of faith that you need to take today has to do with a broken relationship. There's a a relationship where there's been a fracture. Maybe they did something wrong. Maybe you did something wrong. Usually we've all done something wrong, right? And so there's relationship fracture that's taken place there. And God's call is for you today to take the leap of faith to go and seek forgiveness and reconciliation in that situation. But but I don't know how they're going to respond. Okay, as far as it is possible by you, be at peace with all people. Go in faith And do what God is calling you to. Maybe the leap of faith that you need to take today is to serve God in a different way in his kingdom. To do a different kind of ministry in his kingdom. Maybe you've been serving him in a way that is comfortable. In a way that makes sense. But this morning God is calling you into some sort of ministry, some sort of service. In which you can only do it if he shows up and does it. Maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's beyond what you feel equipped for. God is 
calling you. Okay, let's leap. Let's leap in faith. What is it that God is calling you to today when it comes to leaping in faith to be obedient to him? God calls us to, to leap in faith. That's the second lesson we see, all right? God's called us to a totally new life. God calls us to leap in faith. Lesson number three from this passage, God blesses those who are faithful to the call. Right? When God calls someone, he is going to bless them. And that's what we see here with Abraham. Look back at verses 1 through 3. The term blessing is used about Abraham on five different occasions in verses 1 through 3. Now, listen to me. Abram was blessed in a unique way. We can't just read through the blessings for Abram that we're going to see in the chapters to come and claim those family or national blessings for ourselves. Abram was blessed in a unique way as a unique part of God's purposes. But just because Abram was blessed in a unique way doesn't mean that we can't understand the biblical principle that runs throughout the scripture that if we follow God's call in faith, he will bless us. We may not receive the same blessings as Abram, absolutely, but he will bless all who he calls. He'll bless us as we express that faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and what? That he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe that? A part of faith is believing that God rewards those who in faith seek him. He rewards them. He blesses them. What kind of blessings does he give to them? Well, blessing number one is more of himself. He gives us more of himself. We get more Jesus. That is the great blessing that we receive. And of course, the Bible says our eternal hope is that we'll have that forever, that we'll have more Jesus and all that is good forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again into a living hope. This is our living daily hope, friends, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I know that there are many days where my eyes lower and focus in on all the circumstances around me. And I struggle to live in faith because I am so thoroughly focused on all of the circumstances that are taking place around me. And God calls us again and again to lift our eyes. Lift our eyes from the focus on all of the circumstances and instead be fully focused on the eternal inheritance that he has for each and every one of us. An unfading inheritance where we will experience eternal pleasures at God's right hand forevermore that is promised to us. That brings daily hope no matter what we are going through. But God's blessings aren't just for after this life, right? God also blesses us with his character right here, right now. His spirit comes to dwell within us, and what does he give us? When we live in that spirit, we get love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
God doesn't promise us that he will make all of our circumstances smooth and comfortable. As a matter of fact, Jesus says to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble or tribulations, some translations say. What we're going to see from Abram is that as he now follows the call of God, his circumstances are actually going to become more challenging. They're going to become harder. But what God does promise us is that if we live in him, he is going to give us love and joy and peace no matter what the circumstances are that we're going through. Is there anything better that we can experience in this life than experiencing a life of love and joy and peace when things are hard and when things are easy, when things are challenging and when things are comfortable? God says, I'm going to give you love, joy, and peace if you live in my spirit. God blesses those that he calls. He blesses us now and he blesses us in the life to come. But he doesn't bless us just so that we can hoard those blessings. That's the final lesson. The final gospel lesson we see here, God blesses us so we can be a blessing. What did God say to Abram? I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you and make your your name great, Abram, so that you can hang on to all those blessings and think about how awesome you are. That's that's not what God says. What does he say? I'm going to bless you with the specific purpose that those blessings will flow through you to the lives of others around you. That's God's purpose for blessing us so that we will bless others. God wants us to be people uh, where his blessings flow through us, right? If I can illustrate this with my, my pitcher and my cup, God's design is that when we, when we respond to the call of God in our lives, he begins to pour blessing into our lives. And it is his design that that blessing would flow through us, right? And as he blesses us, his design is that that blessing is going to flow through and it's going to flow through to other people. Now, sometimes when we lack faith, we will actually stop that flow of blessing and say, but I need to take care of myself first. Yeah, I know, God, you've given me hope and you've given me peace. God, you have given me time and talent and treasure and gifts and passions, but I'm going to use those for myself right now. And when we do that, God stops pouring into our cup because that is not his design. When he says, oh, when we say, oh, great blessings, I'm going to use these blessings in order to advance my agenda, myself, God starts pouring the blessings in because his design is for those blessings to flow through us, for others to be blessed because he has blessed us. That's God's design for us so that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we read about his great salvation, right? We are saved by grace through faith and not by our works. We read about that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We say, thank you, God, for that salvation. And then in the very next verse, we're told what? Why did he save us? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why have you been recreated in Christ Jesus and saved? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
God has saved us and he has given us all of the blessings of his salvation so that they would flow through our life into the lives of all of those around us. He has given us the hope of the gospel so that that hope would flow through us to others. He's given us peace so that we would be people of peace to others. He has given us time, talent, and treasure so that those things would flow through us in order to impact the lives of those around us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it for what purpose? To serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has given us talents and gifts and passions. He's done so not so that we can use them all for our own sake, but so that we will use them in order to bless others and pour our lives out for the sake of others. What ways is God calling you to bless other people with the blessings that he's given to you? What does that look like? How is God's Spirit encouraging you this morning to be a blessing to others with the blessings that you've received? Take a moment and consider that. As a matter of fact, as we look at all four of the gospel lessons that we've talked about, that are mirrored here in the call of Abram. I'd encourage you to think about the questions that go along with that. If you just take a moment and close your eyes for a second, have you responded to God's call for a totally new life? How is God calling you this morning to leap in faith? What does, that, what does that leap look like in your life? What ways is God calling you to use your blessings in order to bless others this morning? One of the things that uh, we talked about is that God blesses everyone who he calls. He, he blesses everyone who responds to his call in faith. And every time we come to communion and the Lord's table, we celebrate that. We celebrate the fact that Jesus went to the cross so that we might experience the ultimate blessings. And in a moment, uh, the band is going to play a little bit and then we're going to sing a song. And I'd invite you to make your way to the tables when you're ready and get the bread and the cup and return to your seat. And we're going to take the bread and the cup. I'll lead us through that in just a moment. We're going to take the bread and the cup and remember and celebrate what Jesus has done so that we can experience his blessings and let them flow through us in order to bless others. Let's spend some time worshiping him right now.